Hey, friends of Fuzzy. Well, first of all, I'd like to give a shout out to Sarah Leonard, who provided us with this fantastic backdrop that we used at a Little Five Points Pharmacy vaccine hesitancy event. I'll tell you more about that later. But today, I'm going to go over the newest research on whether it's better to have gotten COVID for, for protection or whether to get the vaccine. As they like to say, the results may surprise you. In addition to that little clickbait title, I'll also be talking about teens and vaccines now that Pfizer is available for teens and Moderna also has positive data for children. So we'll be able to see that soon. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about the history of vaccine hesitancy and how we're probably going about this all wrong to get to herd immunity. Okay, so starting out, big question is, are you more immune going forward if you caught COVID or if you got vaccinated? So here is a really interesting set of research. First of all, when it comes to variants, a study that's in Med Archive as of April 24th looked at the antibody titers of patients who had gotten COVID and then got vaccinated versus vaccination alone. What they found was the antibody titers who got of the people who got infected were about 10 times lower than the people who had vaccines. So as we've already found out from people catching COVID twice, natural immunity with antibodies is not that great, not that long lasting. Certainly if you got a mild case, your antibody titers are wimpy and it probably doesn't last very long. Now, the interesting thing about this study to me was that they looked at the efficacy of patients who'd gotten COVID and then got vaccinated compared to the patients who just got vaccinated against variants. And what they found was that even though there was robust coverage for both people with vaccines who weren't infected and people with vaccines who were infected, if you got sick and then you got vaccinated, they found that the antibody titers against all of the variants were higher in the people who'd already gotten COVID. So certainly if you got COVID and you feel like you don't need to get vaccinated, au contraire, mon frere, one, yeah, you do because your antibodies are going to fade quickly, but how cool that if you did suffer through getting COVID and you get vaccinated, you're protection against variants is actually way higher. So that's really cool. Now, all of this presupposes that antibodies are where it's at. So I'll tell you a little interesting secret. One of the things that my colleagues were doing in trying to do nasal irrigation studies to see about preventing COVID was doing it in healthcare workers. The problem was, healthcare workers actually got infected much less often than expected, at least those who were in the front lines. However, neonatologists did not. So the studies looking at nasal irrigation were having a hard time and are still having a hard time enrolling enough people because the rate of infection in healthcare workers is actually really low. Now, of course, we're all vaccinated, so it's almost impossible to finish those studies and get statistical significance because it takes, if you're trying to change 3% to 1%, you need about 2,000 people in that study. So it's really difficult to make differences in tiny numbers. 
The interesting thing, though, is that the neonatologists did get COVID, whereas we in the emergency room didn't, not as much. So what was going on, that's kind of what supports this T-cell immunity idea. The concept that many of us who were on the front lines and have been dripping in children's snot for decades as we practice medicine have seen some form of coronavirus that gives us an immunity that helps with COVID. Whereas the neonatologists who are sequestered off in their little ivory tower with all of the completely sterile NICU babies who have not ever been out into the world, um, they hadn't been exposed and so they were more likely to get sick. That's a, an interesting thing to know. If your baby is in the neonatal intensive care unit and then gets discharged, they're not allowed to come back to the NICU because only babies who are coming straight from their moms to the neonatal intensive care units can be admitted. If you've been out in the community, you may have who knows what germs and you're too dangerous, so you go to a regular children's floor. So fun pediatrician facts. All right, so the T cell immunity does seem to be hit and miss with variants. So antibodies, yes, they're getting the spike proteins and those are helping. T cells have unpredictable support but the T cell immunity does seem to be adding to an immune response, even to variants, in addition to the antibodies that are there. So it's, it's a complicated interplay, but I think that we can be comfortable that the T cell immunity that we're getting, if you are infected or from the vaccine, is going to be able to be extrapolated to variants. It's just, if you got infected and then you got vaccinated, your protection against variants is higher. So that's the take home there. All right, so next thing on our list is Pfizer and teens. Well, so 12 years old is I guess a tween and almost up, but a question that we have dealt with on this show before is, should I let my kid be vaccinated and should colleges require vaccines for teenagers um, against COVID? All right, yeah, I'm a pediatrician, but to me, the numbers are absolutely bogglingly obvious. Every year we vaccinate and require vaccination for people who are going to college because they're in these tiny little Petri dishes of college dorms, getting sick and hacking on each other and having two or three people in a tiny 10 by 10 dorm room. So yeah, they have to be vaccinated against meningitis, against pneumococcal disease, because they're really likely to have wild contagions just rip through dorms. So how many people died this year from things that we vaccinate against? Fewer than 100. How many people, children died this year of COVID? 380 at the last time I checked. And this is also, we still don't know all the impacts of long COVID. We do know that we have athletes with myocarditis, with heart inflammation. We do know that we've got long COVID on the brain. We do know that lungs and fatigue and all sorts of things are outcomes of COVID that haven't even been seen yet. So three reasons to get your team vaccinated. Thing number one, they are more at risk from dying from COVID than they are from just about any of the other things they're getting vaccinated against now. Second reason is because there's a lot of things about COVID that we don't know yet. And we do know that getting vaccinated is gonna protect them against all sorts of other variants that are coming out now. And the third thing is 
it is extremely reasonable and practiced for colleges to not let people in unless they're vaccinated. They have to keep everyone else safe. So the whole concept of it's my right to protect myself goes away if you're being introduced into a classroom, into a place where people are clustered together. So for school return, for safety, and for consistency with all of the other vaccines we have, yeah, yeah, they should get vaccinated. Now, one question is, why did Pfizer stop at age 12 instead of going younger? I have no idea. Um, I've tried to find out. I got asked this question. I've actually asked uh, someone I know who works at the Pfizer, who's a world expert on pediatric vaccinations. So maybe I'll have an answer for you later, but we'll put it in the chat if we get it right now. I'm not sure why they stopped at 12, but Moderna is also one that is getting uh, approved for children should be soon. Great results. The protection for children seems to be even better for adults. So it's very exciting. Now, here is the other part about teen vaccines. Let's talk about vaccine hesitancy. So I got asked earlier today, where did vaccine hesitancy come from? When did it start? What was the deal? Well, one of the first papers on vaccine hesitancy was done in 2005 by Dan Salmon. And I did this, a TED talk about this. Um, there's some interesting stuff that was uncovered that wasn't discussed in the paper. So in 2005, Dan Salmon asked patients or parents who did not fully vaccinate their kids what they were worried about and compared those answers to people that did fully vaccinate their kids. So the people who didn't vaccinate their kids, the, the initial studied vaccine hesitant, um, they said they were worried about the Im immunologic load of the vaccine, that it was gonna be rough for their kids' immune system, rougher than like licking dirt or eating poo or something. Um, and then they were also worried about the vaccine actually causing harm to the child. So the interesting things, and, and that's kind of what this, the same things that we found in a survey were, you know, what are you worried about the vaccine? Now with COVID vaccine, people were also worried it hasn't been around long enough, or we don't know what the side effects are. I'll talk about that in a second. But the interesting thing about the people who were, did that initial what are you hesitant about, about vaccines? Salmon asked them which vaccines they did take if they partially vaccinated and partially didn't. And I'm gonna let you play this game. What do you think the least refused vaccine was? You got your polio, you got your measles, mumps, rubella, you got your flu. Mind you, the paper came out in 2005. So the least refused vaccine was polio, which is kind of, weird because polio is actually very immunogenic and has a huge vaccine load. It's weird until you think about the fact that by the time that study was published and the kids had been immunized, the kind of vaccine those kids would have gotten was oral. So if it's an oral vaccine, oral polio, the reason we give injected polio vaccines now is because oral polio actually did cause polio in like one in a million kids who was immunocompromised because it was a live and activated oral vaccine. Um, and if it wasn't totally attenuated, then that could have been infectious. So that's why we give it as a shot now instead of giving it orally. But think about it. These guys were saying they weren't giving vaccines because of one reason, but really they were okay with it if it was an oral vaccine. So think about that. Um, so we did this survey. We did two surveys and we asked what 
is your barrier to getting vaccinated. And this was during the J&J pause and right before it. And so the barriers were overwhelming, like fear of getting sick from the vaccine. Now, we didn't dive down deep enough into, is that worried about a sore arm? Is that worried about having a day of feeling like crap? What is that? And the things that were definite, though, were about 23% of people were afraid of fainting or embarrassing themselves. And about 26% were afraid of a sore arm. And about 20% were afraid of needle pain. When we looked at the specific reasons about what they were concerned about and their vaccine worry, it was that it hadn't been around long enough. Now, one thing that people need to know about vaccines is that if you're going to have a side effect of the vaccine, the vaccine itself is pretty much out of your system in about eight weeks. So if the vaccine itself is going to do anything, it's going to be really within two, three months. After that time period, you're not going to have any vaccine side effects. So it's not like there's something in you that pops out 10 years later. Diseases can do that, but vaccines cannot. So we've already had plenty of follow-up time to know that there's not going to be long-term effects of vaccines. We also know that we've had plenty of follow-up time with COVID to know what the long-term effects are. We may not know all of the long-term effects, but we do know about the one in three brain fog, and we do know about the heart risks, and we do know about um, loss of smell and all those other things that, that come from getting COVID itself. So yeah, and I mean, loss of smell doesn't sound like a big deal, but uh, my daughter's boyfriend's mother has not had smell or taste for six months. Yeah, that gets annoying. So anyway, we do know what the long-term effects of COVID are. We don't need to worry anymore about long-term effects of the vaccines. Now, some people, uh, only two people actually in 600 were worried about FDA approval. Real quickly, approval is something where you have to go to the FDA with the studies before you do them and get the studies approved and then do them and then you can get approval. If you go to the FDA with completed studies or studies that are ongoing, then you can get this emergency use authorization or as Buzzy did, you can get cleared, but approval is a very specific word. So it's sort of a semantics thing. All right, all that said, so, so we were like, okay, so people are worried about feigning and pain and they've got all these questions. I can answer the questions about vaccines and we've got a team and staff who are super used to going with, um, with Buzzies and they know how to do distraction and we know how to do fainting and we can bring beverages, you know, take a beverage an hour beforehand, uh, 16 ounces, caffeine has been shown to help. Here's how you can position yourself and you know, pull up your knee while you're getting your shot and this shoves blood back up into your brain. So if you're starting to feel lightheaded, do that. So this thing was, it was cool because it was on the local news and that was fun. Um, astoundingly, there were 11 people who came to our information and needle fear day. And in two hours, we vaccinated, well, Ira from Little Five Points Pharmacy vaccinated 10 out of 10 of those who came with needle fear. And we vaccinated zero out of one who came with questions. We are clearly misdirecting our 
efforts toward getting people vaccinated. If we want to avoid a fourth wave, which we're not talking about yet, but we need to, because we're clearly gonna have a fourth wave in the winter if we don't get better vaccination rates. It'll be with variants, it's gonna suck. So if we need to get people vaccinated and we're trying to address teaching people who have conspiracy theories, immunology, that ain't gonna work. But if we just provide them a way to get quick in, quick out, do some incentives, deal with the pain, that was infinitely more effective in our 11 person uh, trial. Infinite because you know, 10 out of 10 is infinitely more than zero out of one. All right, so to summarize, um, if you have any questions about what I have mentioned today, it's not a summary, but uh, go to our podcast, Sign up for our Apple Applecast podcast, and you can listen to my soothing voice talking about immunology and vaccines and needle hesitancy. Very exciting. Um, but to summarize, if you have had COVID before and you get vaccinated, you've got really good protection against variants, better than those of us who didn't get COVID and just got vaccinated. Although it seems like just getting vaccinated, you're still going to have some pretty good support against COVID, especially if you're lucky enough to have some T cells from um, all of the epitopes of the previous coronaviruses we have faced before in the common cold. Definitely, it is worth getting teenagers and kids vaccinated, at least uh, 10 times more worth it than for the other reasons that we already get the kids vaccinated before school. And uh, vaccine hesitancy. There's definitely a huge overlay of needle fear. Look at our, some of our other videos about when we started giving vaccines in ways that make kids afraid. The very final thing is I do want to give a shout out to some of the Atlanta pediatric groups who have been taking these lessons to heart and addressing their four to six year vaccines with pain management and only giving two vaccines at a time when the kids come in. They have just had their first COVID vaccine session and none of those kids had needle fear because they never got traumatized as four to six year olds. So we can overcome this. We need to deal with it. Go check out our podcasts and get your kids vaccinated. It's going to be fine.